Nashville, Nashville, <laughs> Tennessee. Uh, come on, man! Uh, this is really cool because this was uh, a total last minute, last yep. minute thing, and uh, and you're here with your bride Jordan and your new baby, my new baby Zion. Yep, Zion Amos. <laughs> Zion Amos, two weeks old today. Yep, two weeks. Yeah, that, that's incredible. How's that transition been? Uh, good. Yeah, really good. Uh, so yeah, we came first back, baby, man. first baby. Yeah, first baby, and um, I I think there's a lot of grace on it. it. hasn't been too crazy. He's a pretty chill baby, so yeah. thank God for that. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, Amen. he's just Amen. hungry all the time. So yeah, 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 yeah. I think the last that we were really talked and we did, I, I think uh, some sort of radio thing was right around the time that you're yeah. releasing your first book, right? Uh, Partakers of the Divine. Yeah. And so, uh, so how how did that go? Like like with the release and everything and. Uh, uh, how was that whole process of writing of writing a book? Yeah, well, um, it's been a it's been an interesting process and journey because I sat on this book for years. Actually, um, I was like many writers. I felt like um, you know I, I had a book inside of me, but getting it out was a totally different story. And I actually I I saw a statistic that ninety five percent of writers never publish their books yeah and so only five percent of uh writers are actually authors so i was in that 95 percentile and um i knew i had a message you know but it was just not ready and uh last year i actually had a dream where uh and i i won't mention the person's name but this person's a prolific author and um an amazing woman of god uh but she uh prayed over me for prophetic writing in the dream and when I woke up, I just felt like there was a shift, you know, like things started to connect and I started to see the book and visualize it. And uh, I sat down and it was like, I finished it within uh, a few weeks, you know? And so I uh, pushed it out. Thank you for writing an endorsement, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was absolutely. real honored. I was honored that you would ask. Yeah, well, and uh, so and now, you know, it's in the hands of people all around the world, you know, Australia, Canada, people in Asia. And so I'm really humbled by that. And, um, you know, the message of the new creation reality is really important to me. You know, uh, that was something that really liberated me when I was around 19 years old. Um, you know, I had been living for the Lord, been saved already. But uh, I had a lot of things that I was holding on to, things that I think were blind spots to me, things that I didn't realize I was believing subconsciously about myself. Mm. And uh, I started to read the gospel with a new set of eyes, and I started to see that there was a great exchange that took place. He was sinful so that we could become righteous. Mm. You know, he was broken and and sick so that we could be healed, you Mm. know. So I started to catch that revelation, and I realized, you know, I— I am in him, he's in me, you know, in Christ, I'm a new creation. So that's the whole premise of the book, you know. That's awesome. We're partakers awesome. of a new nature, a divine nature. You hey, know? What, what were some of your uh, some of your influences when you were going through that uh, transition in theology and understanding where there's some different authors or speakers um, that were really kind of opening up the scriptures during that season? Yeah, yeah, well... Um, you know, I'll start off by first saying um, I, I got really touched by God in a Charlie Champ meeting when I was 19 years old. And I, I know him. I, don't, I know Yeah, him. you know I've him. heard good things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't think he'd be uh, weird about me saying, okay. mention his name. You know, okay. we're yeah. friends. And yeah. uh, But I got touched he in one of his meetings. He asked me not to use his name. Okay. No, <laughs> well, <laughs> we, we broke that rule. <laughs> um, I got touched in a powerful way. Awesome. Um, and at that time, I, I know he was kind of carrying that message as well. And so that liberated me hearing about the finished work, hearing mm. about uh, the new man. And uh, and then I started to get into 
to uh, E.W. Kenyon. Oh, and yeah, I, I yeah, loved, yeah. Li- you know, re- he has a book actually uh, called The New Creation Reality. Yep, so I started it. reading yep, him. Come and, on. Uh, Jeff Jansen, another, um, you know, father in the faith to me, he's got a strong revelation of it. So I started getting awesome. around all these people who have a, a thorough understanding of who we are in Christ. You know, That's even awesome. uh, John G. Lake, he he understood this and called it the god man revelation wow and wow. uh so much so they'd wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and say hello god man or hello jesus and you know it's not that he thought he was jesus it's just that he had a revelation that christ was in him you know that's awesome so yeah yeah that's what i did not do today <laughs> <laughs> but that's so amazing yeah yeah and it is such it is such an important revelation right the, the understanding of our righteousness in christ is is so is so important yeah. And it's, yeah. and it's something that I think the the more pe- the more we wrestle with with sin, the easier it is to take on kind of a, a sin nature theology, yeah. which is basically like even though I'm positionally saved I, uh, internally, I'm still corrupt and will always be corrupt. Kind of mm. that total depravity, total depravity. understanding, yeah. you know. And uh, um, and I definitely came out of that. Uh, I, I went hardcore. I was raised hardcore charismatic mm-hmm. and then kind of backslid and then went hardcore Calvinistic because I wow. found safety in the, in the law actually. Yeah. And then, and then slowly began to kind of come out of Calvinism back into wow. charismatic. But I did hold on to a lot of kind of reformed things that, uh, as far as help, help me understand the scriptures and stuff. But I remember wrestling with this. I, I used to uh, argue with one of the pastors on our staff. Uh, Greg Daly, an older guy, way more mature than me, way more you know theologically sound, and I and he'd be like, "You're righteous," and I'd be like, "No, I'm not. I'm depraved. I'm a worm." You know, he's like, "No, yeah. you're not. You're yeah. righteous. You're holy." And I'm like, well, I, "I'm not living like I'm holy." You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. And so it raises the bar, doesn't it? When you take yeah. it raises the bar, I think with our within what we're willing to accept in ourselves. Yeah. It, it's humbling to like actually believe what God says about us. You know, I remember I went through. Um, the New Testament again with a new set of eyes and I just started to look for every promise and every positional truth you know and uh, I remember I got to First um, Corinthians or maybe I'm misquoting it it's either First or Second Corinthians chapter 1 where it talks about how every uh, promise in Christ is yes and amen so I started to think about you know okay what are all the promises then? So I looked through all the promises and I realized that these are yes and amen. And I found that he is the divine yes in heaven. He, his yes is secure. He's made up his mind about you wow. and I. Wow. His yes is solid. He, he's not uh, yes one day and no another day. He's not yes to me and no to you. He's consistently yes. And then he, he is looking for an amen on the earth, wow. which is the so be it. Wow. You know, today we amen everything. You That's know? right. But it's like amen was a powerful word in the early church. It meant so be it. And so heaven says yes, but they're looking for a so be it in the earth. You know, this is who I am. This is actually me, you know. Wow, that's so that's powerful. a humbling that's process, though. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So we're transformed by the renewing of the mind. And uh, I think like like for me, I, I grew up, um, you know, a big part of my story is I grew up with a visual impairment. So I always saw myself as a handicapped person and mm. I had all these diagnoses and stuff. And I thought I, I actually thought at one point that I was going to have to go to a school of the blind and have to have a seeing eye dog and a cane and all of these things. And wow. that was my identity for a long time. And it was hard for me to divorce that identity to see that I'm more than my handicap or more than my disability. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's powerful. So, wow. yeah. And I'm sure many other people can relate, you know? And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah so, so much so that I, I've oftentimes seen people that, 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 that in the natural is you'd assume that they need to be healed. Um, and then you ask them, Hey, can I pray for you for that? And they're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Like this is who I am. Yeah. Um, uh, almost to the degree where they can't even imagine living without what, whatever, you know? Right. Um, uh, uh, so yeah, but that can be true of so many, so many different things. Yeah. You know, we, it's so easy to take on anything. Um, as right. part of our identity from our family to our masculinity to oh yeah you know absolutely so yeah man your, your book is your book is amazing it's it's a it's a quick Thank read you. um and it's but it's got a lot of deep truths to it that you can just really read it receive it plug and play with it thank you what are you working on now do you, do you have another project that that you're working on i do yeah actually um 
So a message that I've been passionate about as well is uh, the topic of the seven spirits of God. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm wanting to write a book on that. Um, I've taught it a few times, and every time it just seems like the spirit of wisdom and revelations all over it. You mm. know, people get activated. It ministers to people. And I look at uh, this topic as something that is coming in fullness to the body of Christ. I believe that just as Jesus had the spirit without measure, I believe that, um, as it says in Ephesians 4, we're coming into that fullness of the stature that's within Christ. So, I mean, every member of the body of Christ, I personally believe, can expect to start seeing themselves mantled with wisdom, with revelation, with counsel, my knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord, you know? Yeah. So, um, that's kind of the big picture I'm seeing as, as we go further in the body of Christ. I see we're coming into fullness and um and on one hand there's a paradox you know that we have fullness in christ you know but i see that we're uh beginning to enter into that you know more and more so yeah that's that, that's exciting I, I i can't wait for the project uh what, what, what's it called uh i'm gonna call it the spirit without measure oh awesome so and it's yeah. a book on the seven spirits of god yeah yeah hey, what are some of the different um understandings regarding that because there's a lot of different like Understandings regarding the seven yeah. seven spirits of God, and, right? And uh, do you know so, like some of the like some of the various yeah. schools of schools of thought? Yeah, various schools of thought. Some yeah. people equate them to be seven angels, you know, that are mentioned in Revelation. Okay, I differ in that. I don't. Okay. I don't. I believe that uh, just as God is three in one, the Holy Spirit. It, um, when talking about the seven spirits, it's not seven Holy Spirits. Okay. You know, okay, it's uh, seven functions of the Holy Spirit. You know. In the picture is like a menorah, mm -hmm. you know, uh, where there's a central shaft, mm -hmm. you know, the can central uh, candlestick of the Lord, which is the Holy Spirit. And then you have wisdom and revelation, counsel and might. So seven functions or seven uh, flows of the Holy Spirit. And um, there are various thoughts, though. You know, people, uh, I know some people believe that these are mantles that rest upon the believer. Some people believe that it's more of uh, something connected inwardly with your union with Christ, that it's something we already have. Um, and so there are various thoughts, you know, when it comes to those things. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, the thing that keeps coming up right now uh, within the body of Christ is is the, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. That's coming up a lot right now, and Amen. and one of the and and, uh, and I definitely think that that's needed. Like absolutely, right? We need all the seven spirits of of, of God, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that place of of the restoration of the awe of God, the restoration Amen. of the wonder of God. But I'm also a little concerned about manufacturing. I don't know, uh, mm. you know, uh, what, what you think about this. I'm just kind of, um, you know, we're, we're millennials, so we'll just I'll just yeah. verbally process here externally process but yeah. um this this kind of this place where where things can take place within the church it kind of shakes everybody up sometimes i wonder if we try to kind of manufacture an anointing as mm -hmm. as a as a response as almost more of a soul response and so i'm totally open to whatever god wants to do right now um but sometimes i wonder if uh if uh if I mean, just the way that we would like to correct things as humans when it comes to the fabric of the church, the way that we'd like to kind of iron things out. Mm. Typically, it seems like that God comes and doesn't tune the string that's out of tune. Sometimes it seems like God comes and tunes the other strings, knowing that all of those th things bring correction to the areas yeah. that are needed. Uh, but I'm a little concerned right now regarding kind of like, like I've even heard comments like, you know, the, the, the kindness of God uh, has failed in America. And so now we're mm -hmm. about to experience the severity of God, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, that would be a, that would be a statement that concerns me. Yeah. Because you know, I don't think that God's kindness can fail. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> you know it's biblical. Saying? Like, I right. tried to be nice. <laughs> you know? Now I'm bringing out the big guns, <laughs> yeah. you know? But um, yeah. So what do you think about this, this whole idea about the, this, the, the concept? You know, not just the concept, but the reality of the spirit of the fear of the Lord, mm. right? Um, what that really looks like, the need for it in the church, yeah. And uh, and what are so? What are your, some of your some of your thoughts on that? Yeah. So uh, biblically, I'll start out. Jesus delighted himself most in the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Mm. Isaiah eleven three. Mm. You know, out of all of the other seven spirits, if you will, he delighted himself most in the fear of the Lord. And I believe that, um, you know. The spirit of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
So we could go after wisdom and we can go after revelation and we can go after all of these things, but there's something about the spirit of the fear of the Lord that contains everything, mm. you know? And uh, I look at the fear of the Lord as spirit of awe and wonder, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, it's not natural fear, you know? That doesn't necessarily exist in, in heaven, you know? God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And so uh, the way I look at the, uh, the fear of the Lord is the spirit of worship. It's awe and wonder. Wow. It's, it's wow. It, beautiful you know, and, um, it's connected to holiness, you know, but that's not something, like you said, we can just manufacture and, and do. It takes the Holy Spirit to birth that and produce that within us. It's, Mm. and so, um, I think when we, uh, allow ourselves to reach a point of, um, renewed awe in the Lord, we'll find ourselves experiencing, uh, the fullness that God wants to release in the church, in the body, on the everyday believer. Uh, really, it's all as simple as like adore Jesus, you know? Mm. That's, yeah, that's really, really that's really everything, isn't it? You know? Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So, um, and it makes Christianity so simple, you know? Adore Jesus and, and everything will kind of come into its place, you know, but, um, kind of going back to what you said about the kindness of God running out, you know, the Bible says mercy triumphs over judgment yeah. and every day there's new mercies. And so the mercy is never going to run out. You know, the kindness is never going to run out. That's good. And, um, you know, uh, I think there's a, there's a obviously consequences to certain actions and behaviors, sins, you know, uh, but there, there's something about the mercy of the Lord that wants to triumph over every situation. Nothing is without redemption, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, those are my initial thoughts on yeah, that. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. How about, like, um, uh, seasons uh, in history where it's almost like there's different seasons where, where, a, where a particular aspect or one of these, um, like, um, the spirit of wisdom and revelation or power might, like, uh, do you think it's God's desire that all seven of these attributes would just be unlocked and unleashed upon the bride that we would be functioning in the fullness of that? Um, or do you think it's 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 God's desire to open up aspects of his character from season to season and time to time? I think that could be true, you know that uh, that there are seasonal things, you know it's it's kind of like this um, um, there are things in the kingdom that aren't seasonal per se, like the love of God's not seasonal. Yeah. Uh, the glory of God's not seasonal. It's not a season of glory or a yeah. season of love, but there may be, uh, times and seasons where that primary revelation is emphasized, mm. you know, and, uh, and God wants to bring, um, bring forth, you know, a, a revelation of that matter to his people. So, um, when it comes to maybe, uh, the spirit of counsel and my, you know, I believe that we could look back at times and see different men and women of God who demonstrated that and who were maybe forerunners and pioneers, you know, people who carried that on their life. And, um, but I, I see it all, you know, eventually as, as time goes on, something that will become a common grace for all people to enter into. So there was an emphasis in 1906 with the, you know, uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit, evidence Mm. of speaking in tongues, but now everyone speaks in tongues because it's a common grace. And same with the voice of healing movement, the miraculous and divine healing. That was something that was emphasized, you know, in a movement. And, uh, and at that time it was maybe, um, relegated to an evangelist demonstrating and leading and spearheading that but now everyone in the body of christ you know are laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover so i see that as time goes on i love the i love your language Lord, you're like and now everyone's laying hands on the sick and seeing them that's, recover that's I mean, the way it, that's, that's the way it's supposed to be yeah, you know yeah yeah um and i'm looking at that already like I, I am in you know ministry we travel we preach you know and uh as thank you let's push that in and a um as a leader I'm called to demonstrate, you know, there are times where, um, I demonstrate in the meeting and I do this stuff, but, uh, you know, eventually we, we need to recognize that all, uh, all members in the body of Christ are called to this and, in, um, you know, we're not meant to be, uh, uh, shooting stars, you know, we're meant to be shining examples, you know, of what everyone in the body could, uh, enter into. Amen. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. Am I, am I yeah. speaking loud enough? No, you're doing great. You're doing great. I was okay. just kind of di- dialing it in a little bit here. You know, man, I think when it, now, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't you like, you were like pro or, se- or semi-pro skateboarder? Is that right? Back in the day or something? Uh, like, I was sponsored. Yeah. I wasn't a professional. Um, that's what I thought I wanted to do with my life. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, uh, a sponsored I was skateboarder. sponsored. A sponsored yeah. anything is cool. Yeah, a yeah, sponsored I mean, podcast or a sponsored, you know, right? Yeah, uh, snowboarder. I mean, I, I was, yeah, I was thankful for it and had. I still love skateboarding. I still do it when I can. You know, yeah, um, I'm not near as good as what I used to be. But hey, what was that like? So being like a partially vision impaired in skateboarding, was it more about like, like, could you pretty much see what what you were doing, or was it more about feeling it out, or like, yeah? So skateboarding has always been different than like other sports because like i don't have to catch anything and uh whereas like if i try to play football i get hit in the face you know with a ball yeah and i can see uh, and i still get hit in the face with a ball you know what i'm saying (laughs) right so i mean uh but there was something about skateboarding um where you know the board was all was close under my feet i could see it better and um as long as i'm familiar with like the park or the setting you know i can handle it uh, sometimes if i go to a park that i'm unfamiliar with it'll take me a while to feel it out because the traffic in the park uh you know can make a difference too you know so like if there if it's busy if there's a lot of people and stuff sometimes i can't always like sense what where other people are going so i i have to be like really cautious about it yeah um but yeah if as long as i can get used to my surroundings and everything i do pretty pretty well you know yeah um, so you kind of just kind of skate it and you just begin to kind of fill it out and get the feel of it yeah. and then you get more comfortable and yeah yeah that's amazing that's amazing yeah so now you were sponsored and like and uh and uh was that before you were saved or were you saved during the time or uh yeah i was i mean i was saved uh at 15 years old okay you awesome, know so awesome. i was already a believer and stuff but um you know i i was uh I was young and I had a pretty bad anger problem, you know, and this is something I see with a lot of skateboarders is, uh, you know, a lot and not the, not the stereotype or anything. It's just, it seems to be in the culture sometimes like just, uh, unleashing and throwing your board and breaking your board. And I had a pretty nasty anger problem. And so, uh, I would feel so bad as a believer, like a newly saved person, I'd feel so bad because I would, you know, go to Bible study or something. And then I would go out and skate and get you know horribly raged and (laughs) and so i went through like a process of getting free from like anger and all of that stuff too you know and yeah um, yeah yeah that's incredible now did you just kind of eventually just kind of transition out of that or did god actually call you out of out of skateboarding or what did what did that transition actually look like um i don't think i was ever called out of it it just he was not like lay down your board no 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 (laughs) yeah that was never something put your board on the altar alex right (laughs) burn it no um yeah i don't know i i think it just became something where i realized like becoming a professional skateboarder was really really tough you Mm. know really cutthroat and it's um not something financially stable either you know and so it's really hard to make it you know and i'm from a small town you know where you know there's it's hard to be noticed and uh so i don't know i as i begin to get closer with the lord it just seemed like my priorities changed you know i i wanted to see god more i wanted to pray whereas you know before i would just skate all day and i wasn't really uh, my schedule wasn't really too important to me, you know, and I started to get values put within me though, of like reading the word, praying, worshiping, you know, going to services, just being around anything I could be around, you know, when it came to Jesus. And so, um, it just kind of took over, I guess, you know, and I, like I said, I still love skateboarding. I try to do it when I can. You yeah. Know? But, yeah. I think that's awesome. I think your story yeah. is so cool, man. Thank you. Um, and, uh, <laughs> All right, so now, so you got called into ministry, and there was just this this real gift that the Lord had given to you—a love for people and, and a desire to see people like set free from all from all darkness. And then there's a real kind of evangelistic, not just a, a natural naturalistic evangelistic kind of flow that comes that comes out of you. And so, whether you're in the nations, uh, whether you're global or or domestic there mm-hmm. you're just always kind of doing the stuff and i've seen some of your videos where you've been out in the streets kind of ministering and yeah but kind of bring us into that world of uh maybe, maybe you can tell us like some of some 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 just kind of some of the stories that really yeah. kind of like 
changed you as you saw the Lord kind of yeah. minister through you just out, just, you know, sure, yeah. do, doing organic life, so, you know? Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, a big part of my story is I've always been really introverted, really shy, uh, you know, really timid. So growing up, like, I mean, I was socially awkward, just I had a, I didn't like the idea of public speaking. I never thought I would be a preacher or anything like that. Wow, yeah. And, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that I got touched by God uh, when I was 19 years old, and I was a, a attending university at the time. And so I felt liberated. I felt on fire. You know, I, it was like I was just revived. And uh, I remember uh, going to my sociology class, and it was uh, interesting because we were talking about church, in the class and there was another student who had a powerful experience uh the same weekend i did so him and i were talking about our experiences and then my professor overheard me talking and she asked me to come up to the front and share what i was just telling my classmate and i'm like scared like i'm shaking in my boots you know what i mean and i i didn't know what to say but that was the first time i ever felt you know the anointing come upon me to preach wow and i you know it was like i felt like clark kent you know what i mean <laughs> i'm like i'm i'm like the shyest person in the room probably and uh, all of a sudden a boldness came on me and it was like the lord loosened my mouth to you know talk about the things of god you know and wow. Wow. so as i'm sharing it just seemed like it was really connecting with the students in the room you know some were even tearing up and crying and afterwards people came up to me and they're like i've never heard Jesus presented like this before and uh I didn't know anything. I didn't know what to do next. I I've never led anyone to the Lord or right, like right. you know, I was pretty green when it came to all of that. But after uh after that happened, I kind of felt a strong desire just to pray for people in public and um you know, I felt like I had a powerful encounter with Jesus and that other people could too. So I didn't know anything about like street evangelism about Todd White or any of the other uh, people we recognize as power evangelists, street evangelists. But I just wanted to like pray for people and see what would happen, you know? So it was kind of an experiment, kind of me breaking out of my comfort zone. And uh, I just started to see momentum, you know, at, on the streets when it came to that stuff. So miracles on the streets, um, you know, lots of, I, I could share lots of stories of um, people getting out of wheelchairs and different stuff you know really people getting out of wheelchairs just out in the streets like out in public like yeah really yeah yeah tell, um, tell us one alex i mean i, th I think I, I mean i just think that's awesome you yeah. know um and sometimes we see that in our in our in our meetings in our revival meetings you yeah. know um but but when you see it outside of it's it's i think the streets is probably the natural habitat for miracles right yeah i think it's probably a lot easier to see miracles out in the streets yeah so i think it's easier for it to actually take place but i think it's harder for us to to engage with it you know what i'm saying it's like mm -hmm. but like once we engage and we really take that risk it's like it's, god just shows up he just honors yeah it. yeah but it, like it's like it's easier to to I don't know if I'm making sense. It's like it's it's easier you to are. pray for the sick in the church, but harder to see it actually manifest versus in the street. It's harder to take the risk, but it's yeah. easier for God to show up and do you it. You definitely build a momentum as you go out and do it. And and this is something that I've seen when I've uh, led teams in, in taking people out who have never done it before. At first, you know, of course, they're nervous, um, intimidated by it. Mm. And then when it's all said and done, they start to tap into the momentum and they just want to keep going, even though we had like a two hour window or something. <laughs> they're right, like, right. it seems like always at the end of the two hour window, that's when things really start happening. Oh, and they're like, real? oh, let's keep going. Can we go out tomorrow? And, and then they start noticing people with casts and crutches, whereas before they they didn't really notice them like that. You wow, know? wow. And so um, you definitely build a grace and a momentum. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, so, like, I, I don't know, me and my friends just started to see crazy things happening. Um, I remember one story, one that always uh, sticks with me, you know, because it, it felt like a shift, you know. Um, we talked about my journey with, like, identity and things like that. I remember I would get a little bit wrapped up in performance, you know, of, like, maybe frustrated because I didn't see something happen or... Um, you know, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I remember I, I felt like there was a shift, you know, in understanding sonship and and how uh, 
the power of God flows through us as new creations in Christ. You know, uh, we carry the power of God, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so I started to connect the dots with this. And I remember I had some friends come over to, uh, to pray and we were, we were just getting filled up with the Holy ghost in my little apartment. Right. Getting whacked and uh, <laughs> just on. like lay it on us, Jesus. Yeah. And, and then we went out on the streets and we started to see incredible things. And uh, I remember uh, we stopped to uh, have a coffee break and uh, I didn't need any coffee. I had plenty that morning. And so I was like just kind of looking to see if God would highlight anyone. And long story short, the Lord highlighted this guy to me. We get in a conversation. He starts opening up about all kinds of lifestyle decisions and stuff and if i were to regard him according to the flesh i would have easily judged him and just like whatever but i'm listening to him and the lord drops this word and the lord shows me that he's a creative writer and that he's published two books and it gives me this download of you know this guy's calling as a inspired uh writer wow and so i i ask him if i could share it with him and um you got to keep in mind like sometimes you know we have to become all things to all men right so that we may win some to the lord this guy you could tell was kind of more kind of invested in like new age and like more that uh stream of things and so i asked him if i could read his palm and uh he was like yeah man do you do that and i'm like no actually i I mean had you ever done this before like ask someone like that i've never used that uh vocabulary or anything it was just like a creative yeah just a creative idea you know and that's something that i love you know when the lord drops like a creative uh nugget inside you. this is crazy this is crazy so you asked the guy if you could read his palm yeah i asked if i could read his palm and he was like he's like bro you do that and i was like i was like well you know not quite but i like to encourage people in their destiny and i asked if i i was like can i do that with you wow so he was all for it and uh i give him this word and i'm not using christian lingo at first but he's crying he's like he's like how do you know this and and then it, it gets like so emotional actually we have to move over to the other side of the coffee shop and so i i'm loving on him you know god's touching him and he rededicates his life to the Lord wow. and uh, God's speaking to his heart. But we get to talking and he's like, yeah, I'm a twin. And uh, my brother was born blind in his right eye and I was born deaf in my right ear. And he's like, I actually don't have an eardrum in my right ear. And I'm like, really, you don't have an eardrum. And uh, he's like, yeah, man, no eardrum. And I'm like, bro, this is wild, but I have to pray for you again. And he was already open, you know, so he let me pray for him again. And I never, I don't know, man, I was just nuts at that point. I didn't, I didn't care. I didn't even connect the dots. Like this guy actually needs an eardrum. Like I can't, it's not like healing an eardrum. It's like he needs an eardrum. Wow. And so I I don't know. I I was like, I was out of it, you know, I didn't care. And so I, I prayed for the guy and uh, long story short, me and my friend, we hear this pop, like something just popped and everyone at the coffee shop is looking at us again. And the guy starts crying again. And this time he's like uncontrollably crying, weeping. And we're like, what's happening? He's like, I can hear for the first. He's like, oh what the goodness. heck did you do to me? And he's, oh he goodness. was like uh, 32 years old, you know, never heard out of that ear before. And, and everyone's looking at us. So we have a scene and we just like, what do we do now? And we're like, we share Jesus. <laughs> wow. So we just kind of preach to the coffee shop and started praying for other people and wow. so it was like a ripple effect you know what i mean so that's incredible i love that yeah that's the kind of like momentum that would break open it wow. seemed like with me and some of my friends you know going out and that's just incredible. seeing what will happen you know yeah so fun that's stuff <laughs> hey, alex how old are you uh 27 27 yeah, dude yeah. i was 27 when i started pastoring really yeah wow, man. yeah so we just celebrated uh 10 years of ministry in, in april um, I have so much love for your church, by the way. Oh, I watch all the time. I oh, do you really? Like, oh, that, that's awesome, <laughs> I Alex. Tuted, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And I feel like we were talking about this earlier, but I feel like I feel like we we know each other well. I mean, we did the radio show together. Yeah. Um, and and we've been following your ministry for a long time, and also you know a friend of friend of Charlie's. Yeah. You know, is a is a friend of ours, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, so you've been you've been you know you're this is what you do. You're 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 an itinerant minister. You know, like you're not on staff 
at a at a local church like literally your livelihood yeah. is going from church to church equipping the saints for works of ministry and doing mm-hmm. you know signs wonders and miracles you know and like that's yeah. got to be that's got to be crazy you know just being a young family and just kind of you know going after it and yeah um you, you you definitely can't get like comfortable i don't think you know like yeah uh, what, what do you think has been what, what's one of the because for most of our listeners they're not occupying that world and i think all they see uh when it comes to itinerant ministers or pastors is the is what happens on the stage yeah you know and what um so kind of like behind the scenes what's like what's what's some of the challenges of of being an itinerant minister uh, for you and maybe like what are some of those things that have actually kind of caught you off guard like like what you didn't actually think would be challenging you know maybe you had a certain mm. kind of perception of what ministry was going to be versus what it's actually kind of been you know yeah yeah oh absolutely man i feel <laughs> like i go in so so many different directions with that well go um, ahead yeah explore the space alex <laughs> yeah yeah because uh yeah it's uh it's a it's a wake-up call you know because it's something i think a lot of young people idolize you know um i remember uh just thinking man i can't wait until i can get opportunities to preach and things like that. And I had pure, a pure motive in that, you know, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I didn't just want a microphone. I really wanted to like teach the word and, and see people impacted and stuff. And, um, and then, yeah, you know, you start getting those opportunities and then it's like, man, this is tough stuff, you know, and, and traveling can be complicated. You know, um, I think, uh, I've heard it said that a lot of ministers, <clears throat> traveling ministries quit after the first year. Oh, really? Yeah. Like I've heard that a lot of people who try to step out and, you know, do itinerant travel ministry, you know, there's a low percentage that actually keep going and and do it. And I think it's... Have you known a lot of guys that have tried it and just didn't work out? Like, have you seen that to be true? I have seen some of that. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, to, to kind of get the momentum and get going, I think. But, um, you know, I, and I encourage people to, uh, the, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, working a part-time job while you're transitioning into full-time ministry too. Mm-hmm. I think some people try to go gung ho knowing that that this is my calling and this is what I need to do. Right. But there's nothing wrong with like transitioning into it slowly and building slow and strong, yeah. you know, like, uh, right now I wouldn't even consider myself full-time in the sense that I don't have a massive speaking schedule. Mm-hmm. Part of that's because I have a, a newborn, you know, and I chose that, you know, we're resting sure. at home. But, um, you know, there have been side jobs and things that I've done just, you know, to support that's cool. what that's we cool. feel we're called to do. And, right. you know, nothing wrong with that. You know right, what I mean? Right, so right. I think right. I think people feel pressured to try to do it and it makes it harder on themselves. Um, and I know finances are kind of a big thing, but man, what I've found is that uh, if you will center yourself on the lost, if you'll center yourself on preaching the gospel and winning souls and working miracles, seeing those who are afflicted, touched, God will bless what you're doing. You Man, know? that's so good, Alex. God will bless it. And I I could tell you so many financial testimonies. You know, um, one I just shared the other night as I was teaching, I was teaching on... Um, uh, different types of prayer. And I was talking about, um, the realm of asking, you know, Mm. uh, Jesus said, ask and you shall receive, seek and you'll find knock and the door will be open. So I was talking about asking and telling about how Jordan and I had just gotten married and we, uh, were launching our ministry and we were believing for a number of things. And we actually decided to write down uh, a list of like 10 things, I would say, that we were believing God for. And we just felt inspired, you know, to do it Mark 11 style, you know, ask anything in my name and believe that you receive it and you'll, awesome. you'll have it. Right. So we laid our hands on these things and most of them were things that we could easily do if we just had the finances to do it, you know, starting out. We prayed and just said amen and then we did something real spiritual and that was with that we took a nap. And so we laid down and I'm a quick napper. I slept for like 30 minutes. I wake up and I uh, saw a notification on my phone that someone had donated a thousand dollars, you know, just 30 minutes after we had just gotten done praying. And this was someone I'd met three years prior in Ireland, you know, and I didn't even know we were still in connection or that's incredible. Crazy. Just seems out of the blue. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then, you know, 
there's other things there's other dynamics you know like i felt um being around people like jeff jansen jeff really uh, stewards the presence of god really well mm. so i remember going through his ministry school and being in his services like every service was like a greater glory gathering you know every every time the presence was really intense and awesome and then i would go to preach and maybe i'd be at a church that you know um doesn't have a worship team and doesn't have a keyboard playing behind you. Church and, that doesn't have a worship team? Yeah. Is that allowed? Is that allowed? Yeah. It's, it's so, and, and you start realizing, wait a minute, like, yeah. where's the presence? You know, and, and oh, I have to move by faith. Yeah, I have, come on. I have no to, music, no presence. This is yeah. the, the work of the ministry, you know, wow. and I have to actually like line wow. everyone up and lay create my hands on atmosphere. them, create my own atmosphere. Uh, I have to use the word of God to build faith and get people into a place of, expectation and so that that was an eye-opener i started to learn that you know people are different places you know and that's fine you know what i mean i actually like now going to places where there may not be used to anything and just jump starting something and yeah seeing it break open and activate you know yeah where it's all new yeah yeah dude it's awesome and so <laughs> but yeah. um yeah so yeah, those ahead. are some of have the general some water. yeah that's yeah. water yeah i think i man that, that, that's so cool i think that's one of the things actually um that sometimes people don't realize like the whole thing of governing at atmospheres. Um, yeah. that's a huge part. That's a huge role <laughs> within ministers and ministries, especially being a, an itinerant or, um, or even, or even just being a pastor. Right. And you're, cause you're as an itinerant, you're being given, um, opportunity and authority to step into a culture. That's not necessarily yours to, to step into a people group that you don't really even know. But and so it's like you're stepping into somebody's somebody else's house, yeah, right. And like, like here's the kitchen. Go ahead and make something, yeah. And that's kind of you're like, okay, so where do you keep the where do you keep the salt? Where do you keep the spices at? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. So there's, there's that feeling of coming into a place and and stepping into an atmosphere into an environment where there's like the record of both positive and negative experiences in that house. Yeah. And then there's theological beliefs and then there's expectations that they have on you as a minister. Yeah. And so like, uh, that, that's gotta be wild. Like what's one of those times, man, like where you, where you went somewhere to minister and you were like, Oh man, I don't know what they were thinking when they invited me. Like if you're allowed to talk about, cause yeah, I love, I gotta I, be careful. Cause yeah, I, yeah. Cause I, I don't, cause maybe it's too recent too. Well, you, I don't know. Uh, like not if, too recent. There okay. was good that came out of it. So okay, cool. there's some I don't redemption, know if you're allowed to, you know. there's some redemption, but, um, yeah, man. I mean, I love those stories. Yeah, <laughs> I love, like, yeah. The... <laughs> I could share a lot, you know. <laughs> Off the, well, but, after but, after we're done recording, <laughs> but this one, this one was interesting. Um, it was it, it was one of those situations, and maybe you maybe you've experienced this, but like, so I had a friend, and uh, his friend's amazing, and he was on leadership at the church. He wasn't the pastor, but he was on leadership, and he asked his pastor if they could have us in. And uh, oh, okay. so it's one of those situations where the pastor didn't know us. Yeah. My friend knew us. And so we get there and there was a lot of miscommunications. They like to do their services a certain way. And basically, um, we just we felt like the pastor didn't even want to like meet. He didn't even want to meet with us. He didn't want to talk with us. He didn't even want to be in the services. And you could tell that there was total dishonor. Like they didn't even give us an offering when the weekend was over and uh you know just one of those situations where you have <laughs> like to the say the is like yep yep come in do, you know do your thing but you know yeah don't um, expect yeah, yeah yeah so yeah. uh so it's one of those situations where it's like well, well god bless you you know all right you know and uh but we're we're in this setting where they they also didn't want us to like um minister a certain way they didn't want us to like um, try to build the atmosphere, have a keyboard, or they really wanted to control the way things turned out. Right. So I felt like I was pulling teeth a little bit and I had to create my own atmosphere and kind of just work with what I could work with. And, uh, I felt like I, I was just, uh, defeated, you know, I preached my best, I did my best and I, I've learned not to get discouraged, you know, about that. If you did your best, then you, you came and did what you were supposed to do. But, um, I was wrapping up this service and I, I had written down a few words of knowledge, some things that I just felt, you know, in my heart. And one of those things was, uh, I felt like there was a woman in the room with a thyroid condition. And so that was like my only word actually, I think. And 
I was like, okay, I'm just going to at least call this out and make something, maybe, maybe something good will come out of this service, you know? And, and, uh, this woman responded and she, um, had like eight golf ball sized tumors in her neck thyroid area. Eight? Eight. Yeah. And these, these are things that are, um, we have the x-ray, eight golf ball sized tumors in her neck. And, um, she came up and she responded to this word and she's like, I feel like that's me. You didn't call out the, the tumors, but I, I need a miracle. And so, uh, we pray for her, God touches her and, um, there's, you know, not a real way to check right there. Uh, but the following weekend we were at another church in the same state and we just wrapped up a service and I get a a call from my friend at the church and it's a video testimony saying that that woman had just went to the doctor that day and every one of those tumors dissolved every one of them and so praise the lord that's, that's and, uh, awesome wow and i remember i i was kind of that's just incredible that's yeah so thank cool. god thank god right and, and i mean like thank, thank you wow. lord something broke loose you know uh but i remember i was i felt like i was just kind of in my general faith you know my faith level that i've cultivated with the lord and uh something that i've learned when it comes to the gift of faith is if you will um if you'll stretch your level of faith, a lot of times God will thrust you into a gift of faith. Wow. And this is something Smith uh, Wigglesworth would talk about as well. It's good. He would stretch himself in his faith capacity and God would honor it and he would slip into a gift of faith. Wow. Which I believe is the God kind of faith. Yeah. And so I remember in that moment, I was like at the end of myself and I'd done everything I knew I could do and I prayed for anyway. And then all of a sudden I felt something come on me and it's like, I knew that that woman was going to be healed. Wow. I knew without a doubt that she was receiving her miracle. And so, yeah. So now we have, you know, doctor verification. She's, you know, totally healed. We saw her again, um, just last year, she came to one of the services and testified. And so thank you, Lord. Yeah. That's that's (laughs) amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So dude, so here we are in uh, Nashville, right? And so what's Jesus doing in Nashville? Like what, what do you have in your heart for this kind of region here? Yeah. You know, I feel like I was set up because, uh, (laughs) <laughs> I used to live in uh, a town close to Nashville called Murfreesboro. Okay, and, yeah. uh, and that's where Jeff's at. Yeah, you know? right. And so, um, and then uh, lived in uh, the Carolinas for a couple years, and we were kind of sensing transition. You know, God was relocating us, and we didn't know where. We didn't know what we were to do, and um, we felt like our hearts were opening uh, concerning Tennessee again. And so, uh, we just were kind of going off of that simple. Uh, leading you know that god was opening our hearts to come back and uh jordan's sister uh lives here and uh then we found out we were pregnant Mm. and and that was a whole crazy thing too because uh uh we were actually going to do a fast in the beginning of the new year and um jordan was going to do it with me and the night before the fast i was praying and i felt like god spoke to me that jordan was pregnant Wow. And so I was like, actually, hon, we need to take a, a test. And this is on New Year's Eve. And uh, so we took a test and we found out she was pregnant. Wow. Yeah. And then we found out her sister is pregnant. And I was uh, telling Anthony before the podcast that this is like a like a, the fulfillment of a prophetic word because someone had spoken over Jordan's sister that her and Jordan would be pregnant at the same time one day. Wow. And so the fulfillment of it came. They were both pregnant. Both gave birth to boys a month apart. And so we... Kind of, incredible. We moved back, you know, kind of to reposition our own family. Mm-hmm. But then I started to see where a lot of prophets are moving to Nashville. Yeah. A lot of prophetic voices and people. Right. A lot of prophets already live in Nashville. Yeah. You know, James Gall, Larry Randolph, yeah. uh, Mickey Robinson, Jeff Jansen. A lot of prophets and prophetic people live here. So um, I, I sense that it's a divine setup, you know, or a divine alignment, maybe I should say, where God's, uh, you know, merging all of these prophetic voices, some with even different streams and styles, you know, yeah, and yeah. we're all coming in and it's like an eagle's nest, it feels like. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So. Yeah, I can, I can totally see that. Yeah. That's really, that's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's connected to Music City, you know, it's yeah. the music and the worship element is a big part of that. You know, prophetic worship has always been the DNA, I think here too the conference so, we just did man it was like just through the roof 
come on worship i mean you know i i was like oh my anthony's like these guys are amazing and i was like yeah bro we're in nashville yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Like I think probably probably yeah. much all the worship yeah. teams yeah. here. Are probably everyone just is like, so skilled, so talented. Yeah. you know the skill is incredible here, and yeah. and then the anointing with that is amazing. And so yeah, well, it's if awesome. you're if you're a prophetic uh, a minister, which you are a prophetic mm-hmm. uh, prophetic evangelist. I mean, if you're prophet, I mean, it sounds like this is the place to be, unless yeah. like unless you're like uh, Charlie and you're like on your way to Moravian Falls. I mean that that's an interesting situation, <laughs> yeah. right? So yeah. There's a lot of transition there, Moravian. Falls. Yeah. So that's really cool watching Charlie and Bryn go in there and it's gonna be interesting to see what happens there, you Absolutely, know. Yeah. But yeah, man, it's such an exciting season to be alive. There's so much freedom within the body of Christ and uh we just love what you and Jordan are doing. Now you Jordan Zion, yeah. uh, a young family. And of course what we'll do is we'll put all your contact information in the show notes and man, I think it'd be so cool if if as people are listening to this, if uh, I would really encourage people just to even go and just uh, to 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 uh, start following um Alex if you're not already doing that, uh, follow Alex on Facebook and Instagram, but also uh, if, if if what they've been talking about um, resonates with you, to make sure that you really uh, even pray about supporting these guys and becoming partners with their with their ministry. Which that's not something that Thank I you. normally say, you know, when we do when we do a podcast. But um, but uh, I I believe in, you, in what you guys are doing, and also I, I know that it's like you know it's 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 not an easy thing to live by to to truly live by faith you yeah. know yeah. and what that's what you guys are all about you all you're all about the, really that faith walk and man i've i've yeah. seen the fruit of that in in your lives and in your ministries and the lives that are being changed so yeah man Thanks, so man. proud of you thank you man again thank you for making the time last minute to make the journey over here to Mount Juliet and to, yeah. to, to, to make this happen. Hey, man, you're in my city. we got to connect. And <laughs> it's on. my honor, man. I, I really love and respect you. And I love uh, Seattle Revival Center. And so. Yeah, we're going to get you over to Seattle one of these days and do some equipping. And, oh, man. And do you some... know, I was born out there, actually, right? Where at? Like, Where at? Uh, well, I was born on the uh, military base close by in Fort, Fort Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. Oh, my. You yeah. were born on Fort Lewis. I was. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't yeah. know that. But I haven't returned since, you know. Oh, I only, my goodness. I only lived there till I was like two. Okay. And so I've always wanted to go back. Like I felt like there yeah. was a connection and something. Yeah. Well, you're there. going to. We'll we'll get you over our way and we'll, we'll have some fun. Some fun. Yeah, I'm gonna we're, we're gonna go this afternoon and eat eat some of y'all's hot, oh, hot chicken. Hot chicken. Oh yeah. And, Hallelujah. Yeah, and we'll get you to come see Seattle. We'll give you some seafood. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Hey, bless you, man. <laughs> yeah, Love you. Appreciate love you. Man. Man. Yeah. All right. Podcasts are definitely trending right now. There are so many brand new podcasts that are hitting the market, and I think that iTunes is kind of overwhelmed. And one of the ways that iTunes aggregates what's hip and relevant from the rest of the noise that's hitting the web is through ratings and reviews. A bunch of you have already taken the time to leave a rating and a review of this podcast. And I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are incredible, and you're so supportive, and I love you. And if you haven't had a chance to take that minute or two to leave a review. If you do that, that'd be incredible. And I've created a shortcut to get you there. It's thedarrenshow.com. That's thedarrenshow.com. You can give it one star, and that means that you think it's kind of lame. Or you can give it five stars, and that means that you think this thing be dope, be tight, be off the chain. So if you would take the minute or two to leave a review, that would be mighty fine of you. Again, it's thedarrenshow.com. Thanks, guys.